All right, welcome to Outrageously Unnecessary 2022. 2022. It has been, yeah, it's been a long time since we've recorded, like six months, I think. I did not check the date. Anyways, I'm your host, Haley, and over there is my co-host, Good Steven. gang, 2022. 2022. In case you're new to this podcast, this is a podcast all about the uh, ridiculous things that the wealthy have bought or done through the ages, because as long as wealthy people have existed, they have been doing stupid things with their money. Uh, anyways, we, we've had a, we had a doozy of a, of a 2021. We truly did, but it is new year, new us. We're about to make some promises that Probably we won't keep, but here we are. <laughs> We're still super optimistic, though. Like, we still have, like, a lot of just hardcore optimism and hope that this year it's going to be different. We're, we're, we are shiny face. We're like, new year, new us. We got it. We're like, we're totally going to turn a leaf. We've only been doing this since 2018 and have never once had a regular <laughs> schedule. But you heard it here first. Our New Year's resolution, and keep in mind, we did not meet our New Year's resolution last year. Our New Year's resolution for this year is to release one episode a month. The bar is on the floor. Uh, <laughs> it literally can't get any lower. <laughs> the bar is the lowest it has ever been. <laughs> but uh, here's we're gonna we're gonna post this on Instagram. And on the tweeters, so hopefully we spread the word. Uh, rather than choosing Wednesdays, where you guys are just refreshing every every week on a Wednesday, being like, is it this week that there's going to be one? We're choosing that we're going to release on the 15th of every month. It is very specifically going to be the 15th. Does not matter what the day is, we're going for the 15th. That is the nice mid of the month mark but, Haley, you, but you know what's crazy though that okay so even though like we did not stick to a strict recording schedule last year and there was definitely a lot of huge time gaps <laughs> between recordings like a lot right, like a lot but still, <laughs> people still found us they still downloaded our podcast and Haley and i My, were talking we're like how yeah. are they finding us <laughs> Who, who are you people? Who are you? We know it's not you, Sneeds Fairy, or maybe it is you, Sneeds Fairy, that is spreading. No, it's all, no, Sneeds Fairy found us That's last true. year. That's the thing. That was that last was. year. Sneeds Fairy found That's us low. last well, maybe year. Maybe Sneeds Fairy is spreading the good word. We, we love do. you, Sneeds we Fairy. Do. We will never not will you forget please you. Sponsor yes. Our show? yes. Please, tw <laughs> please tweet us, Sneeds Fairy. Please tweet us, Sneeds Fairy. Do you think Sneeds Fairy has their own like town Twitter account like some towns oh, do? Gosh, I, I sure hope so. Because if they do, if they do, I am gonna, I'm seeking out Sneeds Fairy Twitter. Absolutely, follow. And I'm gonna see if they can like retweet our <laughs> our announcement of the show. Be like, hey, we were featured on here, and it's because there was one listener <laughs> from Sneeds Fairy. I love that. Ah. Uh. <laughs> So good. Oh, I want to visit Sneeds Fairy so bad, especially for their shrimp I festival. <laughs> I don't even like shrimp, but I want to go for their shrimp mm, festival. I love shrimp too. Mm. 
Oh, I said I don't like shrimp, but oh, you can have all of don't? my shrimp. I'm just there That's for the so ambiance. Shrimp is so delicious because you can have it in so many ways. I'm starting, I'm starting to learn to yeah, like shrimp, it, but like I, I'm overcoming like the child, the childhood like phobia of shrimp, and so like it's really difficult getting over that mental hump of just like mm. mm, bottom feeders. Mm. No, I yeah. get it. No, I get it. I, I will say that people who don't like seafood like from like the very beginning, like it's harder for them to like, to get on board with seafood. I'm down for crab and lobster dunked in butter. Truly I am. The shrimp, my aunt, I'm not gonna say the description on this <laughs> show cause I don't wanna ruin shrimp for anybody else. Uh, so it, for me, it's two things that are kind of like crisscrossing here. One, my dad has a really horrible shellfish allergy and that just freaked me out as a child. And I was like, I probably also have a shellfish allergy. I, I cannot have it. And then I don't, I don't have a shellfish allergy. I can eat shrimp if I want, but it's still like mental, mental barrier. And, but then the other thing is I was out to dinner with my aunt once and she goes, oh my God, I love it when you bite into shrimp and then she described like a sensation that happens and I was like oh I will never not be hyper aware of this anytime that I bite into shrimp now I simply cannot hmm. well should I ex should I explain what the sensation is so it's I mean if if you want I'm sure the listeners would be thrilled okay if anyone wants doesn't want shrimp ruined for them uh just skip ahead about like 20 seconds okay my aunt said oh i love it when you bite into shrimp and it just pops and it was like what, what? pops i hate that description i hate it so much uh, so whenever you think yeah. about shrimp do you feel a little eel Oh, you told me there was going to be puns tonight, and I still didn't see it coming. <laughs> this is rude. This is rude. <laughs> we should have quit this show entirely so I didn't have to deal with oh, it. Oh, <laughs> come on. You know you missed it, and listeners missed it, too. They know. I guess. <sighs> I guess. No, this is all a facade. Mm. I love your puns. Um, I knew it. Okay, so... Shall let's, we get into it? Let's dive right in. New Year, New Us. Okay, we have absolutely no idea who went uh, first last time. I could have looked at the episode. I refuse to. This is a uh, new year, uh, new, new schedule. I'm going first. Yeah. Okay, so this is something that has been on my list for well over two years. I have a little note in my phone of like ideas that mm -hmm. I come up with. And this one has straight up been on there for two years, and I just have never gotten around to it. Um, yeah. So uh, it was originally inspired by when the Met Gala was happening, and obviously oh. that was uh, pre-pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And then a couple months ago, the Met Gala rolled around again. And uh, then, like, right after that, one of my lovely friends from college, Jonathan, messaged me and said, hey, I've been listening to the show, and I need you to know about this and I was like excuse me Jonathan you listen to my show hey thanks friend and a shout out to Jonathan hey. um but he basically wrote like an entire episode for me and I love him so much for doing it but now it's January 2022 and you can tell just how long this has been sitting in my drafts because the Met like 
I was going to originally do this for the Met Gala when it rolled around again a couple of months ago. And then it, it just, just didn't, didn't happen because we just didn't record. It just, it, <laughs> nope. Well, I'm super stoked. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. So obviously through Met Gala, you can probably insinuate that this is going to be about rich people fashion trends of history. Love it. Okay. So um, there are so many absurd things in history having to do with rich people fashion trends that this is I'm not going to hit all of them in one episode it's it's simply impossible you could have so many options um so I decided that I was going to cover three of like the majorly stupid rich person fashion trends that I found interesting for this episode and then we're going to leave it open-ended that like maybe I'll come back to this in the future Mm. you don't know um, if, if anyone has any, uh, favorite stupid fashion trends, I'm all ears, but it's gotta be for the wealthy people. Cause like we all know the eighties happened and that was for everybody and it was not great. Um, okay. So my, my first topic is going to be what Jonathan told me about, which is the concept of child armor. <laughs> I love it already. <laughs> Just the immediate, like, yes, armor made for children. Um, (laughs) So this practice was especially popular during the Renaissance, which is uh, roughly the 1500s to the 1600s. And thinking about it, you're like, armor in and of itself for an adult person was probably very expensive. That's a metal suit made for protecting you in battle. That's almost definitely got to be yeah, expensive. For sure. Um, so you'd like take into account the time and the labor that goes into smithing a suit of armor that fits your body. Uh, the price is going to go up. Um, but particularly for the noble and aristocratic classes, uh, armor was even more expensive because they used higher grade materials, they wanted it to look fashionable, which I did not even know that there were fashion trends in armor, but there are. Um, it had to be functional, uh, but a lot of the times it was very uh, had a lot of decorative elements because like they were heading over to jousting tournaments, and you can't show up at a jousting tournament and just have your armor crumple to bits. One, that's gonna suck for you when there's pieces of metal stuck in your chest, but two, you gotta look fancy. <laughs> yeah, super fancy. Yeah, you you're here you're dressing to impress. You're giving out favors to ladies. You're trying to get a squire. Maybe you already have a squire. I don't know how jousting works. Um uh okay. I was like I was like I was getting ready to explain <laughs> the concept of the jousting, but we don't have time. Go ahead. No, I mean like I know the concept of jousting. I'm just saying I don't under I don't know like what level of folks are are getting in on it. Uh, I've really only got a knight's tale to go off of. So. Uh, yeah, a jousting was was really. I mean, th- those types of tournaments were held for and anybody. I mean, uh, you, now you had to be of a, you had to ha- be uh, either of a knight status or you had to be from a a a like a noble family to joust. Like just like nobody could joust. Like like not just anybody off the street could could joust. You had to be a. That's true, but also who off the street is just training to joust? Like, who's carrying around a massive jousting stick and just being like, I ain't got a horse yet, but I'll get there. Maybe the court jousters? 
Moving on. Okay, but besides just like decorative armor, uh, I, I'm here to talk about children's armor. Um, so apparently it became popular as a way for wealthy people to show off their children yeah. for ceremonies. <laughs> uh. So it would be like a ceremony, like a joust or something like that, or like somebody's got to go like open the games or something or go go and speak to the knights or like whoever the other nobles that you're trying to impress. And so you parade your child around in some custom armor. And then once like the heavy drinking and everything starts, they just go back to the nursery. They're only in it for like a handful of hours. But the armor itself could cost a small fortune twice over. Like one fortune to make a suit of armor, especially at that size. Like think about like it's teeny tiny. The amount of detail and quality craftsmanship that has to go into making armor for an eight-year-old yeah super high level <laughs> super high level and then it has to be decorated because it's not going to be functional armor these children are not like fighting each other to the death so instead they're like let's jewel encrust this child oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah let's just <laughs> let us take all of our wealth and put it on this child to wear um I want there to be embossed things. I want the family lion crest mm. in this chest plate. Uh, um, to have their child look good, I'm sure it was a small price to pay. Again, I just gotta, I gotta ignore it. I gotta ignore it. Moving on. Okay. Um, so, essentially, uh, I'm gonna send you a photo oh, yes. of something that Jonathan sent me. And the one thing that makes me sad, it's from a museum collection, uh, and it's all in French. <laughs> but uh, the reason why I'm sending it to you is because it is, in fact, children's armor from about 1560. Uh, the problem with it is that there's no scale of, <laughs> of like, it on a, on a children's... I wish that it, there was a scale, but there is not. But you can still see, like, how decorative this is it's bananas but you can also kind of see just like based on the the proportions you're like yeah this is probably something teeny tiny holy cow um yeah oh the everybody this is going to be up on instagram and on twitter like i'll post this so y'all can see what like, we're I'm talking zooming about in and i'm looking at the scrolling and the like getting down into like the the floral patterns like Holy shit. This is like master craftsman level. Yeah, this is master craftsman level for a a child. child. And so my next... My next sentence that I have written... This is obviously the dread of... This has been the problem for all parents since dawn began. Which is children grow. Children grow really fast. Mm -hmm. So essentially... This child will continue to grow and then not fit into this at all after about six months. It is a wear once, throw it away kind of thing. Gah. What? <laughs> I mean, I assume they would put it on display somewhere. Like, that is not going to go in the back room. 
Maybe it is. Maybe maybe this child gets a new set of armor every single year. I have no idea. <laughs> but um, so my buddy uh, Jonathan explained the price to me as such. He says you can find records that say they bought them for like 72 gold florins or whatever, but our economies are so different that it's hard to translate money. So an easier way that I've heard curators say is that armor costs as much as a car. <laughs> So they're dropping a brand new car every, every six, six months. months. Yeah. <sighs> it sounds exhausting. Yeah, exhausting it? and just that's just kind of anxiety inducing. Just just that amount of cost like every six months. I mean, but Young Jimothy, we need to size you for your armor again this year. You're going to be opening the annual joust. Papa, I don't even like jousting. <laughs> well, too bad. <laughs> You're going to wear that armor with pride. With pride. <laughs> with pride. Uh. Yeah. But also one of my favorite things about the the image of that I sent you is that this is labeled as armor for an infant. <laughs> Yeah, and f which I know that it's a child and not an infant, but I just really like the idea of like baby armor. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. We must protect the tiny soft skulls. <laughs> protect the tiny tots. Protect the tiny tots. So, anyways, thank you very much, Jonathan, for giving me uh, story one of my three ridiculous uh, articles of clothing that just rich people are so stupid. Mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. Mm. Okay, next item of clothing um, is a rough collar. Uh, you know what a rough collar is, I don't you? I believe so. It's when you picture Shakespeare or uh, Queen Elizabeth. It is the stupid crinkle paper collar yep. that is around their neck that you're like, can you look sideways in that? Yes. Yes. Um, Yes. So also a couple of months ago, there was an episode of Weird History on YouTube uh, that was about, I don't know if it was on rough collars specifically or if it was about like Elizabethan fashion. I'd have to go back and find it. Um, but anyways, there was an episode of Weird History that kind of talked about uh, the rough collars and they just immediately got added to my list of like, you're right, those are stupid. Um, so to explain a rough collar... They are made of linen or lace and then starched to high heaven and then worn around your neck. You usually, like, they have a tie in the back that you tie them. And um, some collars were so large that they had wire support systems in them to hold their mm -hmm. shape. So it doesn't just have to be the piece of cloth and then, like, hey, I want you to starch this so it doesn't move at all. Like, I just want you to just make sure this thing is stiff as a board. Uh, sometimes you also got to add some wires, which are, they're insane looking. Um, but the reason why these uh, came around in the Elizabethan era is because lace as a textile didn't exist until the early 16th century. Uh, and lace takes hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours to make. Uh, have you ever watched Lace Makers? It's crazy to watch him go. No, I haven't. Oh, my God. So uh, I am frequently on TikTok. It has taken over my life. It is 
so addicting. But one of the things that's great about TikTok is that the algorithm essentially finds the things that interest you. And they were like, hey, we think you'll like lace making. And I was like, you're absolutely correct. I am very interested in this. So I've watched a few like people who still do lace making today. And what it is, is you have all these needles put into like a board and you're just taking all of these threads that are tied to like 20 to 30 different uh like wooden bobbins and you are just throwing them crisscrossing braiding them through these needles to make a pattern I don't understand how the hell you keep it straight. But then I also went to the Renaissance uh, Fair this past October and saw someone doing it. I was like, real life, real life lace. It's really nifty. But anyways, you can understand lace is still incredibly expensive because of this. Mm, I believe it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the fact that... Also, I can't believe that it took until the 16th century to invent lace. What the hell is that about? Like, nobody thought about throwing, like, braiding, like, braiding thread in different mm. ways. That feels yeah. weird to me. Um, anyways, so, couple the fact that it, it takes forever and a half to make and the fact that it was literally a brand new textile. Like, literally only, like, the wealthy could afford this. And then you couple that with starch, which had also just been invented, and uh, it was starting to be made in England. Uh, and you have uh, a really, really expensive piece of fashion. So from fashionhistorian.com. Starch uh, was derived from cereal grains, such as wheat or corn, which caused some contention. Uh, William Cecil, chief minister to Elizabeth I, once said... Is it not very lamentable thing that we should bestow that upon starch to s the setting forth of vanity and pride which would staunch the hunger of many that starve in the streets for want of bread? So essentially what William Cecil here is saying uh, is like, hey, we could be using the wheat and corn to feed people. And then the rich people were like, no. I wanted for starching clothing. <laughs> My clothing is more important than your food, peasants. You should, it's like that scene from, from Emperor's New Groove where it's like, we have no food. And she goes, well, you should have thought of, about that before peasants. you became peasants. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love Yzma mm. so much. Um, so uh, another quote from fashionhistorian.com. Uh, ruffs were highly luxurious garments. They could take hours to set and could only be worn once, uh, once as body heat and weather would cause it to droop and lose shape. Oof. Their placement on the neck affected posture, forcing the wearer to keep their chin up and assume a very proud and haughty pose. Uh, they were a potent symbol of status and wealth, as anyone who could afford to wear and maintain a ruff was clearly not doing any manual labor. <laughs> clearly. Clearly. <laughs> clearly. Clearly not doing... Excuse me, this thing droops if I get too hot, so I'm just sitting here. <laughs> It's like not moving. Your servants, your servants literally have to put this thing on a mannequin and like starch it and get it set. And it takes them hours to do it. And you just wear it once. And that's it. That's kaput. Then you got to start that process all yeah. over again, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, 
And then uh, this this particular little nugget I've included uh, because I thought it was really interesting and um, I've wanted to cover it, but I wasn't quite sure how. Uh, so this doesn't have to do with ruffs, but it does have to do with Elizabethan fashion. Uh, from worldhistory.org, uh, Elizabeth was the last monarch to impose a sumptuary law uh, to curb extravagant spending on clothing and ensure that the elite remained the only ones with the finest clothes. There was a genuine concern that young men in particular outspent their inheritances <laughs> in trying to keep up with the uh, fashions set by richer members of society. Consequently, there were strict rules on who could wear certain types of clothes, certain materials, and certain colors. So, like, the color purple was reserved only for mm, royalty. Yeah, yeah. okay. Mm. Yeah, so... That's just one of the, and like lace became one of those textiles that was, uh, it was part of a sumptuary law. And like, if you were not rich enough, you could not wear lace. What a beach. What a beach. So, um, I'll go ahead and put up a photo, uh, as well of like a crazy bananas looking collar, but, um, okay. Let's go ahead and do my last item of stupid rich people mm. fashion. And I actually asked you, I couldn't decide between oh, yeah. two yep. items. I'm super excited. <laughs> and this is the one that yeah. you chose. I'm going to butcher the way this is pronounced, but I'm almost positive it is pronounced a pannier. Um, it is spelled panniers, but it's French. So I assume I don't pronounce most of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah. You lived in France. Is it pannier? Spell it. P a n n i e r s. Pannier. Pannier. Probably. Because you, yeah, you wouldn't pronounce the you you wouldn't pronounce the hard s at the end. That's so stupid. French is a stupid language. Um, I'm sorry if there are any French <laughs> listeners right now. She didn't. We mean don't it. got French listeners. It's fine. <laughs> well, Our not with that attitude. Sneed's Ferry. <laughs> <laughs> We've only got Sneed's Ferry listeners, um, and we love yes, every we one of them. <laughs> so, a penne. Uh, they are the skirts that French aristocratic women would wear in the 1700s. So when you think of Marie Antoinette and the fact that she probably could not fit through a door frame, that is what mm, I'm talking okay, about. So like the big poofy um, type skirts. I don't know if I would call them poofy. Uh, they're the ones that look like you're trying to smuggle a flat screen TV from a dinner party. Uh, yeah, yeah, the really big wide skirts. The wide yep. skirts. They are the weirdly square um, so they were initially created during the Enlightenment period, uh, and according to fashion historians, they were made to accentuate women's small waists and big hips. Yes. But the thing that I can't move past is are men really stupid enough to believe that women have five foot wide hips? <laughs> I truly do not know. I'm sure. Like, common sense. I'm sure. Like, like they have to know, but also, who are we fooling? <laughs> why is yeah, this? Yeah. Why? I don't understand. Uh, okay. 
don't get it. <laughs> those men were literally saying, those hips don't lie. Those hips don't... The Shakira, Shakira. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, according to an article, and, like, these aren't even round feminine hips. It is literally a rectangular skirt. I don't get it. But then again, I am not a rich, aristocratic woman from 1780. But you could um, be. Actually, but I could be with a time machine. <laughs> um, okay, according to an article from thevintagenews.com, panniers expanded skirts so much that two women at a time could never walk through the same doorway or sit together. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> Furniture styles literally changed so fancy rich women could sit down. Yeah, like one per sitting instrument, right? Yeah, that's why that's why those big lounge couches became yeah. a thing. Oh, yeah, to, to accommodate these fancy-ass dresses. No one no can one sit can in fit. a chair. Yeah. <laughs> chair sitting is for chumps. Um, okay, and then um, from... Uh, a blogspot blog called 18th Century Bodies. Uh, quote, the larger panniers were generally reserved for formal occasions because they were representative of a, a woman's economic status. The larger and more conspicuous their dresses were, the wealthier women uh, were supposed to be for it uh, because it required not only a great amount of tissue, but also a lot of work from tailors to make such outfits. They're literally going and just being like, hey, this really fancy uh, bolt of cloth, I want all of it, and I don't want you to have to pattern match it all because you're just going to drape it. You're just going to drape all of that. <laughs> just wrap it around my body. <laughs> but, yeah, also apparently, um, like, the... the the five, six foot wide skirts. Like I just sent you a photo of one that's ungodly huge. Um, yeah, that was that was only for like really formal occasions. But apparently, even down to peasant women, they wore panniers on a on a smaller scale. But like, it was still a thing, and I don't understand it, and I kind of hate it a lot. Mm -hmm. mm. But that's it. That's that's my stupid fashion that only rich people can wear. What a great yarn, Haley. Thank you. I spun it you well. Did. Thank you for finishing my pod. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fashion. I can play along yes, sometimes. <laughs> like I feel like I feel like fashion is one of those topics where you can always find something just ridiculously extravagant and expensive and just over the top like that's like a yeah like i really wanted to talk about like the met gala itself because like oh. those outfits are obviously incredibly stupid Absolutely. and ridiculous yeah yeah but i just wanted to get really historical with it because i'm just so much more entertained by like the historical elements of like people have been doing this from the dawn of time yes. <laughs> and they'll keep doing it and they'll keep doing it. So, which is why fashion is almost certainly going to make a comeback as mm. a topic. Indeed. 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 Um, so do we have any jump changes? Jump change. Okay, we just had to do some digging because neither of us remembered to prepare a jump change. But I had something in the back of my head of... I... I 
knew that this existed. Okay, so uh, the first fact, and this was actually going to be part of my absurd history, but I asked uh, Stephen which he would rather hear about, but now he gets to hear about it anyways. And that's the fact that for whatever godforsaken reason, Henry VIII was obsessed with cod pieces. And if you don't know what a cod piece is, it is a... Um, Think of uh, an athletic cup for your private parts, but fancy. Uh, it goes on the outside of your schmancy clothing. Schmancy fancy. And it's, at, it's, it's schmancy fancy saying, hey, look at my junk. And um, essentially, uh, essentially, he was just, I don't know why, I don't know if he had a tiny dick and was just trying to compensate for it or not, but this was like, cod pieces really came into fashion because Henry VIII was like, I, everyone is going to wear these now because I want to wear these. And these were ridiculously sized. Like, I don't know how you would see that and not giggle. But uh, because cod pieces became so popular, you also included them not only in your everyday outfits, but also on your armor pieces. And I don't know who this belonged to. I don't know how wealthy the person was. But this, it makes me giggle. There's a cod piece out there in a museum. It is metal, and it has a face on it. Oh, no. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, 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 oh no. Oh, oh, oh. I can't unsee that. Oh. It's so good. It's so freaking Why funny. is it an old man's face? I don't oh. know. It's definitely an old man's face. It's an old man face cut piece. Oh. oh no. But I think that's the funniest thing in the entire oh, world. <laughs> and I just want everybody to know. And this picture is going to be on the Instagram because I think everybody needs to see this and have it in their mm. life. Um, somebody spent money on this in the 1500s when it is incredibly difficult to make armor anyways. Someone spent money on that. And then just to just to round this off, I am going to send you a picture of Henry VIII's suit of armor, and I just want you to look at how freaking ridiculous that is. Holy cow, what's he compensating for? He's compensating for something, right? Like, that is... That, that is girthy. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> There's no way. There's absolutely no way. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. Like, that is almost all decoration. I don't know. That's... I can't figure it out. Anyways, that's the end of Chump Change. Hope y'all enjoyed that. I get a really good giggle out of it every time I think about the, the cod piece with a face. <laughs> oh. All right, Stephen. Would you care to delight me with a tale? I would like to delight thee and all of them with a wonderful tale. Woohoo! So this tale, uh, I found... Uh, I can't even remember exactly how I came across it, but um, <laughs> don't ask me why, but I was looking at like different cultures and like different rituals um, that like different cultures have. And uh, this, this article uh, somehow got popped up and it talks about a particular type of ritual that I don't know if I'd ever really thought about, but it makes sense. And it's just 
it's equal parts ridiculous equal and equal parts just sad like for a multitude okay. of reasons so we're ending on a bummer I mean, note no i mean it's not like like a sad bummer it's just like ugh, rich people mother you know it's just oh okay it's one of the, so every episode much every episode every, every. okay um Never so, ever. yeah, so this article uh, is uh, from Forbes.com, and I'm going to start with a quote. From where I stood, the crowd looked huge. Maybe a thousand people, mostly white, mostly young, more than half women. Our table was stacked with large bins filled with bottles of liquor and champagne, little Evian waters and juices, and rows and rows of champagne flutes and glasses almost everyone held a drink so this scene uh, is described by ashley mears ashley mears is a former model and she is a current uh associate professor professor of sociology uh and gender and sexuality studies at uh the boston university and she had uh, a, uh she also has a graduate studies uh, she has a phd uh, in sociology as well. Holy shit, good for her. She has a she has quite the list yeah, of credentials. Yeah, uh, she's authored a book called Pricing Beauty, The Making of a Fashion Model. Uh, and also she's regularly quoted in media as an academic expert in the culture and economics of fashion. So, hey, look, tying it back into yours. Um, so this location that Ashley described could be anywhere. New York, Los Angeles, Monaco, Miami. But it's really not the location that matters. Spending on a scale that you have never seen before, these are the trademarks and the hallmarks of a global party circuit of the super rich. The sheer, the huh. sheer spending that Mears attributes to in her uh, uh, a new book that she has out called Very Important People um, talks about how these super wealthy people millionaires billionaires they can drop from a hundred thousand to even a million dollars every single night in a club but it's not just and what's crazy about this it's not just the financial spending because not only is this like just ridiculous amount of spending but it takes place in a world that is strictly behind closed doors that only like the 0.1 percent has really ever ever got to see yeah it's it's rich people showing off for rich people literally like us us normies don't even get the privilege of of seeing their thousand dollar bills yeah absolutely um so so ashley continues and she talks about uh, her experiences when she was younger um as she partied from from Cannes all the way to los angeles she partied as a as a quote-unquote girl a quote-unquote girl, in this instance, is described as young, typically 16 to 25 years old, thin and tall, at least. I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop mm -hmm. you right there. That beginning number was not a number that should be involved you're, with adult parties. You're absolutely parties. correct, but it happens all no, the time. I don't like no. that. I'm voicing my opinion right now. That's yeah, yucky. That's yucky, and it's I don't okay. approve. It's not okay. It's not okay. Throwing it out there. Okay, please so these continue. These girls are thin mm -hmm. and tall, at least five feet nine, without heels. 
and oh, I'm already and, fucked. <laughs> can't get invited to a rich people party, Haley. Sorry. I'm five foot six. I'm three inches off the mark. And with heels, at least six feet. I remember, like that—that that is genuinely like a model uh, requirement that uh, I remember from like watching Tyra Banks's America's Next Top Model. Yeah, <laughs> and they'd be like, "Oh, you're short," and like the the girl would be like five nine, and they'd be like, "Oh, you're really short," and then like the six foot one would walk by, and it's like, "What? Oh, okay, all right." <laughs> so, yep, that's that is still some prevailing today. <sighs> Sad but true. So these Ugh. girls, again, I say that with quotes, most of them are models or Instagram influencers. They're recruited by promoters. These promoters are paid by clubs to bring girls to their big party nights because the clubs, along with these models and Instagram influencers, which are recruited by the promoters that are paid by the clubs, attract millionaires and billionaires to their particular clubs, specifically in the VIP sections. So once everyone's gathered, millionaires and billionaires, the spending begins. And of course, we're like, okay, yeah, I'm sure there's all sorts of things they can spend their money on. Absolutely. But some of the, but some of the stories that Mir's catalog, like, catalogs is just mind-blowing. She said, uh, getting rich people to spend money is actually uh, kind of a complex thing. She says the best way to understand the spending of a billionaire is to compare him, and it's normally a he, with uh, to compare them to a tribal leader. You got to get into a pissing contest with yep. them. Yep, yep. So there's a term that was coined by anthropologist Franz Boas when he was studying the 19th century tribes along the Pacific Northwest. It, is it pissing you know, contest? Potluck. P O T L A C H. Potluck. Potlucks are competitive gifting ceremonies where a tribal chief would lavish gifts of considerable riches upon his guest to advance his title or rank. Sometimes in the Pacific Northwest, these rituals would involve breaking canoes or burning things to show one's worth. So this is all about just uh, that that street cred. Street cred <laughs> and competing to see who is the most wealthy and who ha is the most the most deserving of fame and attention on that particular night. So Mears continues. She's like the rich, no different than the tribal leaders. Uh, whether it's spending on VIP tables or champagne or even girls, the host loses a lot of wealth but gains recognition among his peers. She says, canoes or champagne, it's the same. In fact, there is actually a whole secret industry set up to capitalize on this ritual of millionaires and billionaires. From promote, yeah. Like, like this whole, we, you and I did not talk at all, at all about our topics today. And we've already like come across the universal truth, which is that humanity has not no. changed at fucking all since the dawn of time yeah. if we're able to use this this description of of like native chiefs doing their pissing contest and then billionaires doing their pissing contest is this episode going to be named pissing contest mm, i don't know 
I don't know if that's going to get marketed to people because it's got a, a quote-unquote cuss. Yeah. All right. Okay. Please, con- please continue. Please continue. So from promoters to champagne houses, businesses are able to exploit this uh, particular insecurity for their own advantage. And it's a pretty clever bit. Have you ever wondered why VIP areas and clubs are raised above others? No, so they feel more important than other people and they're looking down on the little peons? In a sense, yeah, but spending to them is a spectator sport. Unless everybody can see you spend stupid sums of money, then what's the point? That's stupid. That's stupid. (laughs) These champagne houses that uh, also compete uh, for the wealthy's attention... Uh, they produce oversized bottles with glow-in-the-dark labels and names like Nebuchadnezzar. These, no, these, yeah, like Nebuchadnezzar, like a type of champagne. Like Nebuchadnezzar is a, is a, is a historical figure from that I only know because of of the the Civilization games. Yep, uh, yep, he was uh, he was a king of Babylon. That's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> so these these oversized bottles normally arrive to VIP tables with fireworks in them and held aloft by attractive girls. Always got to have those attractive this, girls yeah. to, to deliver you and, things. And fireworks, of course. So um, everyone can see it I coming. I want to know if the fireworks is just sparklers or if it's like legitimate like dangerous explosions happening within 20 feet It doesn't say, but you. it just says fireworks. So your imagination is key. It just reminds me, I think that, like, so they're doing the fancier version of, you know, the birthday candle that when you light it, it, like, opens up and then starts to spin. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Yeah. We are all the same. (laughs) I just, I just imagine, like, like. And instead of like little umbrellas in the drinks, they're, they're, they are, yeah, they're they're little sparklers or little poppers and they're just. It's gotta be little sparklers. Like, just liquid and. Flame going everywhere. Liquid flame everywhere. Uh, so the liquid, wait, liquid flame. Liquid flame. That took me a second. <laughs> liquid flame. <laughs> I have questions. That just brings up more questions. So this whole this whole ceremony, the bottle train, is uh, obviously designed to bestow recognition to the buyer. Um, the, it's not so much attention seeking, but. It, Big spender coming through. Look at this man. (laughs) This man bought sparklers. Uh, So if there are like super like high profile VIP big spenders in the club, uh, do you know what uh, the club's nickname for these spenders are? Is it It whale? Whale. Because that's also for for casinos. It is. It's definitely whale. So boy, this, this is definitely a whale of a tail. You big chunky whale. So these whales, they're put at VIP tables opposite each other in the hopes that their oversized eagles will fuel a spending war as well as a healthy bar tab. Champagne bottles become the idioms of rivalry. They're so easily manipulated. They're so stupid. This is basic psychology. Um, There's actually an instance in 2012 where champagne bottles were lobbed back and forth in the club between Drake and Chris Brown, which resulted in several injuries and a very, very costly evening. Like some, uh, there are some records of like some, uh, some tabs getting up to 14 million. What? Uh, millions. Huh? 
What do you spend on? What are you spending your money on? What like no food or drink could possibly cost that much unless you just literally physically bought that building, which still probably isn't worth that much. Did you buy the entire neighborhood block? That's that's alcohol and dot dot dot. Who knows? But that's some of the tabs that what, these guys literally rack up. What else did you buy? What, like, uh, not even drugs. You're not, uh, did you buy an entire cartel? I don't know. <laughs> but see, Haley, this is where, this is where it gets interesting. Because. I didn't realize it wasn't interesting yet. Okay. Because. I gotta, I gotta dial back gotta my dial emotions. Back a second, because in this world, it's not just about money. There's another capital. There's another spending I swear to God if shit. it's women. I swear to God if it's because women. more important than the money are the girls. God damn it! Someone with a table laden with bottles is one thing, but what really makes these guys stand out at a club, as well as on social media, are the girls around him. Why? I don't understand why. Like... Because you can afford some really good prostitutes? Well, hang on. Hang, I hang don't... On. What? So the clients are less likely to spend if they're surrounded by civilians. Um, Ashley Mears uh, references the club lingo for people who are neither pretty nor wealthy enough. Those are civilians to the wealthy. Yeah. What? Civilians are... Not pretty or wealthy enough to the wealthy elite. They're called civilians. Wait. What? Yeah. We're civilians, Haley. I like I was I was I was joking when I said that we were peons and plebs, but apparently that's true. That's literally how they view us. We are ants. Yeah. Tiny, tiny ants. Eat the rich. Eat the rich. They literally live on a different plane of existence from reality. It's, it's true. Uh, I, and and uh, Ashley calls it girl capital. I hate I it. I hate it, too. Because she says the girls are not for sex. They're not. And they're not for friendship. The girl capital is essentially a leveraged capital to get coveted invitations to parties that would lead to financially enriching deals. So in other words, so, girls become not a person, not a sex object, but a currency, but a currency, currency, which allows entry to clubs, seats at dinner parties or invitations onto yachts or into secret meetings. How many girls do you need to have for it to be worth something? Why am I talking like human beings are worth money? What? In a world where money, she says, is no object, billionaires trade with girl capital. How? How? Yeah, that makes sense that they would eventually that? need something else that is like of worth to them. But like, why does it have to be women? Also, I would like one gay billionaire to decide that like he's gonna have beautiful arm candy of men, like get the Chippendales on his sides. I would like to see some gender equality hey. out of this. Hey, there you go, gender equality. I don't. I still don't like it, but I want gender equality. So one house mirrors. Uh, talks about is uh, one house in the Hamptons she found 20 girls living on site 
so that their wealthy host was assured a steady stream of invitations to the most exclusive parties in the Hamptons VIP scene. So, wait, I'm confused. Are the girls, like, do they have contacts to the other wealthy people? Like, oh, I know Brenda, and Brenda's a girl of so-and-so. Or is it literally just like, hmm, would my incredibly pretty girl get me into your party? Like, which one is it? Both? You know, uh, I don't honestly know, but um, kind of almost to your to your point a little bit, um, like the next part of this, uh, she talks about that the girls themselves are actually unimpressed with the splending, with the spending splurges because. Well, yeah, they're living in that hole every day. They're just there to get yeah, that cash. They get access to an exclusive world without paying a single dime. It's being able. To, yeah. yeah, they're li- they're living the dream right now. Like those millionaires and billionaires are total scumbags and real gross. And they give me the heebie-jeebies. Those girls are living the dream. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, yeah, it's it's basically like them being able to hang out with friends and having someone tell them that they're beautiful all the time so they don't have to pay for anything. Yeah, that's sugar daddy on, like, the most extreme level. I'm over here thinking maybe I should sell some, some feet pics to sell, like, just so I can have some extra spending cash. Hmm. Just makes me sick. I hate it. What, my feet pics? My feet are not that ugly. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly didn't hear you say feed pigs. I was still just stuck on. You were still <laughs> pondering. I was still pondering just men using women for currency, and it just makes. No, I'm talking about selling my feed pigs. We're on a different oh topic my goodness. now. Okay, you got to back this up. You got to you got to repeat that so I can dig into that. <laughs> I said I want to sell feet pics for extra money. Like, that's the best that I can think of, of, like, how do I scratch up some extra cash? Uh, and these girls are just sugar daddy to the extreme. Uh. <laughs> this is episode called Feet Picks. This episode is called What the Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Will you still be my bridesmaid? <laughs> If you know that I sold feet pics to pay for the wedding. <laughs> I will always be your bridesman. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, well, so capping this off. So, like, she ends this with saying, like, it's it's bizarre. It's strangely enticing to those who care. But why should we care if billionaires are spending their hard-earned or not so hard-earned money on pointless extravagances? Let them. Because um, I want them to pay taxes. Right. But... We should. But she's like, we should also be worried that this spending is hidden behind closed doors in nightclubs or offshore on yachts and islands. The whales don't want the world to know about their secret spending. But she said, some men I interviewed were actually conflicted about their extravagance. One even told her that they regretted afterwards. And he was like, it's ridiculous. I mean, do you know how many people I could feed or give water to in Africa? So... Yeah, and he's literally doing it because it's a, it's a cock measuring contest with the billionaire next door. Yeah. But, uh, so this article... Um, that, truly despicable. Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, so this article was written in um, August of 2020. And she kind of ends this with saying, you know, it definitely seems out of place. And perhaps now that 
the secrets of what really happens uh, in the wealthy elite spending parties and rituals is out. Maybe more wealthy men will maybe turn around for the better. I doubt it. I doubt I, it too. You're, I deeply doubt that. That was nice. That was nice yarn that you were spinning, but absolutely not. <laughs> so, so that is my topic. The crazy secret, strange rituals uh, of the cultists like billionaires and millionaires and 0.001% elitist assholes of the world. Deeply horrifying. You are correct. You are absolutely correct that this was going to end on that sour note of like, I have a bad taste in my mouth after that, and now I'm yeah. sad. Um, yeah. But still, incredibly good topic. I'm really angry that women are currency. Because that's the other half of that, is like, I, what if women truly are currency? Like... I don't know what kind of human trafficking is happening, and I don't like the implications of any of this. I know. It's it's sickening when you think about, not just on the surface level, but what really, really happens. No, it's that. No, none of that. None of that. None of that is good. None of that is good. No champagne could literally be worth $14 million. I don't care how many sparklers you put in the champagne. <laughs> True. That better be the best goddamn tasting champagne you've ever had in your entire life. Absolutely. And I really hope that it wasn't ruined by the taste of sulfur from your sparkler. Mm. True. Okay, I'm all worked up now. But anyways, Gilded Gang, we are so glad yes, to be back. Um, I hope that I hope that you still love us after all this time. But also, if you've if you've listened to us before, hopefully you know by now that we just are who we are, and you'll stick with us anyway. And if you're new. We're trying to be better. Um, in any case, if you want to hear uh, more ridiculous topics, we're going to be trying to release on the 15th of uh, every month, and you can always listen to the back catalog. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Outrageously Unnecessary. You can see all of the photos of things that we talked about today, so you can kind of have a visual to, to the items that we're talking about, because truly they are ridiculous, and you need to see... This cod piece oh God. with an old man face oh God. on it. If you want to have nightmares, Gilded King. <laughs> Come get nightmares. 